This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. This is How We See It. I'm Deacon Mike Sweeney, and our guest is Jeannie Tinney. We're in our Advent series of hope, and Jeannie has an amazing story of hope, which we'll get to in a little while. Jeannie, I have to tell you, I cyber-stalked you, because (laughs) if you've never been cyber-stalked before, I had to learn something about you. You were coming in, and I had to make sure I knew about you. And what I learned from Facebook and elsewhere was that you are someone who cares for your brother and sister. I sure hope so, because that's what I try to do. Why? Where did you get that from? Was that something that you were raised as? Is it something that you learned in a church? Well, truthfully, yes. I can actually say I felt the Lord's presence memorably at around eight years old. I can remember walking down the street one day in Fort Myers, Florida, where I grew up, and I had just left a horribly bad situation. Don't choose to say what it was, but walking down the street barefoot because I didn't have time to prepare for this walk and started praying to the Lord about that particular situation. And as I did, literally a little shower, sprinkle of rain shower started, like we get in Florida out of the blue sometimes. But it was only on my side of the street, very briefly, moved away, went all around me, and all the way home, I never got a drop of rain. And I felt like it was going to be an answer to prayer. And honestly, I've had my strays. I've had my times through college and those things. But especially during very difficult times in deep waters. He's always, always carried me. As a kid growing up, can you remember difficult times where life seemed hopeless, but hope was still there? Many. I'm a child of many divorces and difficult times in other ways. And I guess I've often been accused of being a Pollyanna, and it gives me a chance to speak to my hope and where it comes from, because I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm full of the Lord and his spirit. What is a Pollyanna? You know, the old, I think it was Disney movie, Pollyanna, and I've been called that, Tinkerbell, if you will, but because I tend to see the hope side of things in most situations, if not all, and sometimes people think someone's a Pollyanna because she tended to see the positive side of everything in this movie. I found it very interesting in life that when you believe that strongly— hmm, good things tend to happen, and I've generally been blessed that way. I have a beautiful tapestry that way, but none of it is without walking through very difficult waters. So let's get into one of your toughest life struggles, I'm assuming, would have to be a battle with cancer. Big surprise. What I tend to do at warp speed most of the time, and you know, interestingly enough, the Lord had told me suggested to me, gently nudged me for a very long time to slow down and smell the roses a bit more. I tend to work too much, and anything I put myself into, I tend to overdo it. While I might have been doing that some with my church and other things too, I don't get concerned with any of that too much because I just tend to live out my faith. But the day that I I had been coming home. It was getting harder and harder to go up the stairs of my town home. I felt many things going on in my body. And I can honestly say for years on and off, yes, I'd been to the doctor. They were not finding anything except the orthopedic. 
thought that um, my spine might be deteriorating. And that was all that had been found thus far. So you're dealing with back pain, climbing stairs, things like that? And driving to Lakeland every day for work. And that was horrendous all the way there and all the way back on I-4. And it wasn't the highway as much as the discomfort. So that went on, strangely enough, for seven years. Wow. So seven years, I said to the Lord, because we were building a church there, and that was part of why I was called there on this senior living property. And I said, please release me. I really feel I need to go help me find a job in Tampa. So not to get too far into that, my phone rang one day out of the blue, and a woman asked me if I would come talk to them at Unison Senior Living, which is in Tampa. And I thought, oh, there's my answer, and began that journey. So I'm only there about three and a half months, and I came home exhausted, called into work the next day and said, I think I'm very ill. I'm concerned I have COVID because it was during that time, but I've tested. I've gone to the doctor last night at a walk-in. It's not that, but I'm going to need to take a day off, which turned into a week. That following day, the weekend began, and I went upstairs, barely made it, and went to bed. When I got up in the morning and went into the restroom, I suddenly went black and passed out and didn't have time to say anything, but (laughs) I was trying to get help out. And fortunately for me, I have my 25-year-old son in my townhome. And as I was going down, I didn't remember anything. But the next thing I knew, I was being picked up because my dog, my little dog, went and got my son. They lifted me up. And we got to the emergency room. And it was so bad that the emergency room doctor instantly said to me, without hesitation, I think you have leukemia. And it wasn't leukemia, by the way, but it was stage four metastatic cancer all throughout my axial skeleton. Fortunately for me, I was at Tampa. I said I didn't want to go anywhere else. I happened to have been born at Tampa General Hospital. But I was taken to Tampa General Hospital, and their oncology team began to meet with me. When you were in the ER and the doctor said that to you, what happened in your mind? At that point, I think I would have went into an instant anxiety attack. Yeah, I know it's everything that happens in my life is part of his plan because we never stop talking all day long. So I was probably unusual, and I would tell you that everybody in the emergency room thought so too because I said, oh, hmm. I wonder if it's time for me to go home. But my son was sitting there and had to hear that. So to be honest with you, I was very concerned because of his face and his texting, which I was sure to his sister and my aunt and other people. So in that process, I kept trying to say, put the phone down and just be with me and be present, be praying. It's going to be fine no matter what happens. But, of course, in the back of my mind, because I'm a planner, I'm praying, and I'm also saying, do have everybody meet us, because we had to go from one emergency room to TGH, which was an incredible story, because this was a Friday night at this point. And as we're going in, it was just amazing. They already had the wheelchair for me outside. I felt like I was going to someone's house almost, because I was met. I had a room available. I was taken right to that room. And this was a time when the hospitals were very full. With COVID patients. Yes, sir. So I was very blessed in that regard. I was met with immediate uber attention. And it was a great experience in that regard. But honestly, on my mind was protecting my family, meeting with everybody and preparing in case I was leaving. So in those following days, well, how long were you in the hospital at that point? That was my first day. 
But I actually spent over three weeks with constant blood transfusions to try to get me strong enough to survive, which went on for months, by the way, constant blood transfusions, because my counts were so low. They were very dangerously low, and I was more than anemic. So it took some time, if they were even going to start chemo, to get me to a place where I could, but I was three and a half weeks in the hospital. How in those days and in those weeks and in the months after you went home, what was going through your mind? How did you keep hope alive? Well, the first thing my son did was when he finally left me that night, he, when I woke up, my Bible was on my bed. Sorry. Don't it apologize. was just, that's, that's my son. And my daughter was there too, my first thing in the morning. But everything I needed and wanted that was important to me, they brought to me immediately. And that was sitting on my bed because they knew how important it was to me. And I began to pour myself into conversations with the Lord and read the Word because I know, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me and more so than ever in my life. If you open your Bible and you get into God's Word in whatever way you can, whether it's on your phone or however it works for you, first thing in the morning, you're not seeing the world first. You're seeing the world through God's eyes, which is a complete, for me, a completely different way to see the world because it becomes not the world, it's his. And that actually walked me through my journey along with my daughter and son and my aunt, my family, in ways I can't even put into words. But I have to give the hospital credit too, because my family was very demanding. I tried not to be, but you know, what do you want to drink? What do you want? They were constantly asking for things. And I had nurses that you would have thought were part of my family. They learned what I liked, what I drank, what, and it was always there. I never had to ask for anything. It was an amazing experience. Your son and daughter, how did they handle everything? Well, I had my son at 41, and he's 25 now. So my adult children are six years apart. And let's just say my daughter called me that next morning. They had driven home together and extremely choked up and said, Mom, you just need to know how much we love you and went into, wow, it's at a whole different level now, though, and we want to be able to tell you. And they they communicated in ways they never have before, their deep love for me and gratefulness. So, you know, it's hard to explain, but when you're in that situation for everybody in the family and my dear friends and my church and even high school friends started from Facebook hearing about my situation, and I Everything it seems like that you have given in your life comes back to you suddenly. It's unreal. So I had people that I didn't even know I'd touched their lives reach back to me and that I had been so off my radar for like 40 years and it's still going on. I had a dear woman invite me that we hadn't talked since we were about 11 on a cruise to go with her just to enjoy life, that she would take care of it. And I've had so many experiences, just because I was nice to her in the neighborhood as a kid, but so many wow. experiences like that that I never would have guessed in a million years because I prefer to give. <laughs> Did you go on the cruise? Not yet. January. Not yet. Oh, nice. This has been a huge lesson in getting your feet washed. That's not easy for me. I've noticed that when I was cyber stalking you, as I mentioned before, I noticed that you have given to a lot of causes over the years, a lot of cancer research type causes before you were even diagnosed. So who yes. would have thunk that? Yeah, I have a lot of shirts that I had even collected from things. Good for you. So your treatment started? August 5th. Of what year? Last year. So this is very new. Very, very. I'm a walking miracle. So over the last 
December now, or however many months that's been, have you had any storms along the way where you've just wanted to yell at God or anything like that? Or has it just been always filled with hope? I'm a not a good interview about yelling at God. So not at all. It's I'm in your hands every <laughs> every morning, minute by minute. And I have to say to you, I never thought I'd be back to work, much less. I was making plans to sell and downsize and prepare. I had claimed disability because I couldn't even get up my stairs for almost six months and took my first shower on my deck with a hose. So that was my life. And my son helped me with that and then ran away so I could finish my shower and come back. And I, my first goal, I tend to spend time on a dock that is part of my townhome community on the bay. And my first goal was pleading with the Lord to let me walk out there again because I've spent a lot of time alone with him out there. So I have to share this with you. I didn't know what the plan was going to be for me. And I was being a little stubborn about downsizing my home because I love my location And I felt like it was stuff and I probably should have already gone because a lot of people were even supporting me financially because cancer can be hard to fight and it's not cheap. So in short, I just asked, please let me walk to the dock again. My son had offered to drive me, but it just wanted my first goal to be to walk. How far was it from? Uh, It's probably about 600 yards to get to the end of the dock. That's pretty far. So a day came when I felt ready and it was in that six month and my son went with me. I have a photo from that day that I didn't know I had because he took it. And I moved slowly, but I got to the end of that dock, and I'll never forget it. And this is why. Not only was it something I had wanted to do to be by the water and breathe in that fresh air. I love dolphins. And out of nowhere, to my, well, it would have been to the south, several, a pod, started coming my way. And I'm that would have been right by the Air Force Base. So they're curving around there. And I'm just, I was about to leave too. And I said, let me sit here just a few more minutes. You know, you can go, Michael, if you want. And he said, no, mom, look. And I turned to the right and I couldn't believe it. So as they get, it gets better. As they get close, they start to split. And a lot of them went out towards the middle of the bay and kept going towards Tampa General. And a few started coming in toward the dock. So I was like, ah, and I moved out to the edge and I told my son to take a picture. That's why he has camera ready. And lo and behold, in sync, seven dolphins swam in front of me. And I knew that's when I said, oh, I'm still supposed to be here and there's things you have for me to do. I'm sitting here thinking like anytime I go fishing or kayaking, I'm always asking God, help me catch a fish here. I think I have to bring you with me. Okay. That sounds like a plan. That's the message I'm getting because the wildlife will just be flocking to us. Like Peter? Man, it'd be beautiful. Fill fill the boat with fish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're still in your same townhouse? I am because within a few months of that, strangely enough, and I am part of an organization called Cancer Back to Work and have done their webinars on nationally online. I was unable to go to the first one I learned about. And I was very fortunate. I got a phone call from the HR department where I worked to ask me to come meet the new executive director because some of the residents were asking for Jeannie Teeny to come back. And it just overwhelmed me so much that it was one of my first driving trips. And I decided to go meet with them. 
they offered me an opportunity, which I have to praise them for because I hear some stories of how hard it can be to go back to work when people know, especially if you're a stage four cancer patient. And they offered me an opportunity to go back to work. And I said, if you're okay with one day at a time, because I don't know what to expect, I'm still weak. But that adrenaline and drive in my background somehow must have rolled back around because I've been there ever since. My first week was rough. And now I'm the director of the department just two weeks ago. Whoa. Didn't expect that at all. That's a big turnaround. Yes, and it's gone well. Go back to when you first became really ill. Mm -hmm. At some point, you lost your job. Oh, absolutely. It It had to be immediate because I'm a sales and marketing director, and I affect the bottom line greatly. So what was that like? Because Hard. Yeah. I mean, the bills are not going to stop mounting. And did somebody start a GoFundMe or something? Oh, did you see that online? I may have. (laughs) A couple of different groups did. And it blessed me in ways that I can't even put into words because whether it was a Publix gift card or the GoFundMes, yes, there was more support than I ever could have asked for, more than I could have asked or imagined. We're in Advent, a season of hope. When you go back to those first days of illness, did you think a year and a half later, roughly, you would be in your current position helping people through the same types of issues? Which is my favorite part of it, by the way. No, I was told I wouldn't, basically, my diagnosis, yes. And never quite believed that, I have to tell you. Something in me was clear, and it was probably the Bible verse that I kept seeing to be given. Which was what? It was... Psalms 34. And it says, interestingly enough, not one of your bones will be broken, which I found interesting and shared with Dr. Risk, who was the doctor who ended up being my main oncologist as part of an incredible oncology team. Dr. Risk was an on-call doctor as part of the team. And she came into my room on a Saturday morning while I was starting to be a bit really begging the Lord because I was not starting chemo. Part of it was the transfusions and I was weak, but the other part was something in me was telling me no. And I'd had a doctor at the foot of my bed the day before saying, you have to start chemo. And he was very strong about it. And I said, I understood. I did have a pick line in and they were going to bring the port, install the port on Monday. And this is basically because if you don't get this started, you're dying. Yes, sir. Absolutely so. And I'd been warned, of course. So They knew because I told them I had to wait on the Lord, and I felt he was it was not time. So on that morning, a beautiful woman named Dr. Risk came bedside and said, this was such a moment for me. And she said she'd been researching my situation. She's he loves research. And I understand because I'm insane that way myself. I just it's something I enjoy doing. It's one thing I am glad for phones for. So. She sat bedside, and I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this, but everything inside me screamed, chills from head to toe. She put her hand on my hand. Her bedside manner was like nothing I've ever experienced. And she said, I just want you to be aware of some alternative treatments. She shared the information with me, but she barely got it out of her mouth because the Lord was so clear, this is it. This is her. This is what you're supposed to do. So... At that point, she shared with me she had not been there very long from Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York, and her marriage brought her back to Tampa, and that I could text her by the end of the day and let let her know if I wanted to start this treatment because I would research it. She was leaving the room, and as she went to leave the room, I said, Dr. Risk, I just adored her already. She's she's a very special human being, not just doctor, and I knew that from the get-go. So she's leaving the room, and I said, Dr. Risk. 
how does it feel to be my missing piece? Because everything in me right now is clear you are. And she froze and said, what did you just say? And I said, how does it feel to be my missing piece? Because I thought she didn't hear me. Well, she heard me. And she said, Jeannie, I came back to Tampa. I didn't really want to, to get married. And the song we danced to is You're My Missing Piece. That's crazy. And I knew that I knew that I knew. Yeah. And I said, I, I, I don't think I need to do any research. Yeah. But I'll text you later. Yeah. Doc, whatever you want to do, <laughs> have at it. <laughs> and she saw my Bible open. Yeah. I shared the Bible verse. Oh. The Bible verse on the bones, because it turned out the cancer was really, let's put it this way, the tumors were too many to count. What was your prognosis? Well, I mean, at that point, you probably had like a, what, a six-month timetable? Stage four metastatic cancer can be any minute, much less six months. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So how are you doing now? Full of light, full of life, and most days, I can't say every day, most days feeling like I have more good energy than I've had even before the cancer. Now, people who know me are probably, if anyone's listening, laughing right now because I'm definitely a person known to have a lot of energy, probably too much sometimes, but it's a different kind of energy. I felt that I was a grateful person. I felt that I had the peace that passes all understanding, but It's in a whole different place now. He does still say to me quite often, and sometimes it's not in a nice way, I thought I told you to slow down. And so he'll slow me down, and I don't get a choice. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, darn it, I don't want to go home early. But, yeah, I'll have to occasionally, but not very much. So I know I'm here for a reason. I know part of it is something to do with my adult children's lives, I believe I'm blessed to be back to work because I was needing provision as well as healing. And in the process of that, he's revealed himself to me in ways I never thought I would have the side of heaven. And even speaking to me, my kids would say this has gone on for a long time, but if I'm at the grocery store and somebody needs me to say something, those things happen to me a lot. A wonderful neighbor who is a member here, and I have become even closer because Anyway, she's just walked with and been a part of my journey, like my whole neighborhood who food showed up at my door and things like that all the time without me knowing where it came from. And she's one of those people. So it's a different kind of energy, but I think I'm just, it's not time for me to go anywhere yet. And God has things for me to do. And I've had two different ministers that moved into the community where I am at Eunice and Senior Living say that exact same thing to me as they prayed with me, that they could feel that I had things still to do. Yeah, you sure do. Bringing (laughs) hope to the world. So many people are listening to this right now who might feel hopeless because of a loss of a job or they can't buy Christmas gifts or whatever, health reasons, anything, and you are bringing some light to them today. Oh, I sure hope so. Because, you know, can't say there weren't times that were very hard. The side effects aren't fun. I didn't have as many as many do, so it's hard for me to kind of say that out loud. So I try to help people who do have the stronger side effects and encourage them not to give up. You may have seen the gal Night Birdie who has the songs that passed away from cancer, and she was such a light and encouragement, and that's what I hope to be. And, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen to me? I'll be sitting with him at the banquet table. Oh, no. Nothing better than that, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. So as long as your hope is in him, you have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about. 
I will say what I've said to other people, and there are many people who've reached out to me in my several support groups. Some are 8,000, just lots of cancer support groups out there. And they've asked me about treatment and my positive attitude and things. And the one thing I would say since Tampa General asked me to share my story is this is what I always say. And I'm sorry, but I'm a bit of a salesperson for them. I don't mean to be. There's even a gal in my office that said, you know, the one thing I can say to you that is absolutely definite, I'm blessed because I, I see Dr. Risk and Gladys, her, I have to say, I love my Gladys, her nurse. But the one thing that's very different for me from what the stories that people tell me when they ask me about my treatment is no matter where you're going, I need people to know this at Tampa General, and they don't know I'm going to say this, by the way, so I wasn't asked to say this. At their oncology institute, you will never feel like a number. When I come down the stairs in the parking garage for the first time or anything like that, they're waiting for me to cheer, and they know it's a milestone when I haven't even thought about it. And they made me realize or, you know, that my hair is growing back or anything like that. It's it's not just an event. It's family. And they care and they know everything about me. So it's just very different where I can say a lot of my friends will say, where do you go that you feel like this? Because while I'm getting, I think I'm getting good treatment, I do feel like a number. And I've not experienced that at all. So you're filled with hope. And part of the reason is because of them. That is absolutely true. Thank you for saying it that way. They couldn't be a bigger part of it along with the Lord Mm. and my family. Amen. I just need to say one more thing, and this is real. It really goes back before my cancer to a a divorce situation, which broke my heart. I was on my face, literally on the floor. And when I got up, I just needed to turn on the radio. And I had not done this up until now, but I, I started desperately looking for hope in a song, an inspirational song. And I wasn't necessarily looking for, quote unquote, Christian music, but I landed on Spirit FM, true story. And I turned up the volume. It was some time ago. It was a third day song. And I can honestly tell you, it made such a difference for me. My children may have taken it off from time to time, but always in my car, from the moment I wake up till I go to bed, I have inspirational Christian music on. I literally never take it off. I may stream once in a while, but Spirit FM has been great hope to me, and I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you for listening. And you said third day, by the way, and the first thing that came to mind is what happened on the third day. Oh. He rose, you know, and that's our source of hope. Amen. Our guest today has been Jeannie, bringing hope to the world in this season of Advent. And this is How We See It. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash howwesee it. We see it.